y'all we are back with another episode of bad talks we are so excited for tonight k and i we have been bringing some great people on and we are so excited to have miss denai marari on tonight welcome welcome to the show So if you don't know Denai by her biblical name, which we'll get to that in, yes. in the future, in a near, near future, um, she runs uh, you know, a couple of channels, the YouTube channel and also on Instagram, the Black Marriage Movement. And I have been following you for a while and I just thought it was pretty positive messaging around black love and relationships. And I think sometimes people need to see these things modeled, right? Because they may not have that around them. And so I was curious, what motivated you to get started on your journey of helping people um, in relationships? Well, um, thank you for asking. Uh, First off, I would say that the first thing that motivated me was actually my name. Uh, I was shown a name. My parents are from Zimbabwe. And uh, my name means to love each other. Danai actually means to love each other. So um, there's a great affinity with it and a tenderness um, that Shona people say my name with. They always get really soft because um, there's a level of vulnerability, wow, we're already going there, that is accessible culturally to Shona people when it when they talk about love, and particularly romantic love between a man and a woman, that they allow themselves to, um, to explore, to be curious about, to give in to, that interestingly enough, I find that don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of Black Americans don't. And not just Black Americans, I would say Americans in general mm. don't. So very specifically, I'm saying there's a vulnerability that we do not access because to a certain extent, it's like Americans are constantly in a war zone when it comes to love. They don't trust. They don't open. They don't. Um, they believe that vulnerability is weakness. Um, And so there are areas that they do not explore. And there are so many things we miss out on in the culture. Like, um, I'm thinking of two different things. A, uh, Brene Brown, who's done all these wonderful studies on vulnerability. um, And she actually talks about how on the other side of vulnerability is everything we're looking for in terms of connection and intimacy and exploration of emotion and understanding of one another and really being seen and heard and all these other things that are offshoots of that, like artistry, great writing, you know, anything that really moves you in this life. Um, And so if we look at vulnerability as a weakness, we don't access those things very well. It's incredibly hard to do so. And the second thing I think of is Steve Harvey, who has an incredible appreciation, if you've ever listened to his radio shows, of 70s R&B. And the reason that that is so important is because the 70s was the last generation of black men who told black women openly and unabashedly, I love you. I will do anything for you. Mm. My family is important. Do not leave me. I can't make it without you. Mm. After that, we got Mm. hardcore hip hop and it was not cool to tell a woman how you feel about her. And if you couldn't tell her how you felt about her, love is not possible. You know, it's, it's, so, it's so funny you say that. So I recently had sat in on a panel and it was mostly men and a few women. And we talked about uh, Russell Wilson. And is he an anomaly? Is he, is he, a pipe? Yes. Is he real? Is it real? <laughs> 
Um, and the thing that the men expressed, and it was mostly American men, was that they felt like he was weak for showing um, how much he loved mm. his wife. And they saw his vulnerability is, is leaving him open to be hurt. Mm. So that speaks to what you're talking about is that, and I hear it all the time when I'm coaching patient, you know, clients, and I'm sure you hear it too when you coach clients. They're like, I'm afraid to be vulnerable. And I'm like, well, then you don't want to be in a relationship mm. <laughs> because the relationship is all about vulnerability. If you can't open up to someone or allow yourself to go there, mm. you're never going to have a, a deep relationship. It's not yeah. even possible. Hmm. True, deep connection, bonding, and intimacy is not possible apart from vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So you have all these superficial relationships that are going on and you can't figure out why. It's because no one will, let's go back to where I started with my name, surrender to vulnerability. It's actually a choice. You have to surrender. And when people say my name, I can see that that capacity for that surrender. When Shona people say my name, it's right there. It's accessible. They don't have a problem with it. Um, I was listening with my aunts and my mom um, a little while ago to a bunch of Shona music. Um, we were listening to Oliver Muchibuzi. Um, he's a popular artist who passed mm. away recently. But mm. my childhood is littered with his music. And when they were explaining the lyrics of what he was saying, it, it, it there was no, I'm weak for it. The whole thing was just, I love you. I love you so much. And I feel like someone understands me. And finally, my heart is safe with someone. And it just, it was an, an effervescent love that just surrendered to the authenticity of that feeling. And here's the danger of not doing that. Yes, when you open up your heart completely and totally, you might get hurt. That's absolutely true. Problem is, you also might get loved. And we don't think about that part. And what I can tell you is, if you don't open up your heart, I can guarantee you won't get loved. So we have all of these people who are trying to receive something that they do not give. That is breaking spiritual principle. You do not, you don't, you don't sow where you don't reap. Like it doesn't, it, it, I, I, I don't make the rules, but I know what they are. <laughs> you cannot cause me to fall in love with you while you are secretly holding on to your heart. And I'm in a game that I didn't realize was a game and I was playing for keeps and you were playing for safety, but that is happening all over the place. The reason why I got into this, what made me get into this, the long-winded girl who 10 minutes later is answering your question. <laughs> it's okay. Is, I, I was going to follow up if you did, and I was going to say, okay, I still want to know, but I have an idea. Yes. <laughs> why I got into this is because of what I knew that I could uniquely contribute to the conversation. And what do you feel is the thing that you can uniquely contribute to the conversation? If y'all don't start loving each other, y'all not going to make it. Mm. Mm. I thought you was going to throw the word vulnerable in there. If nah, you... nah, it's just, it, it, vulnerable is a part of love. Mm. You have to love each other, everybody, period. If you do not love each other, you're not going to make it, I'm not going to make it. And all of us pretending we don't need it and we're fine without it is total hogwash. We were created for fellowship. God created us because we wanted somebody to love, literally. And so 
we are created with community in mind, with fellowship in mind, with man and woman in mind, with love in mind, and we are all walking around trying not to love. Don't want to catch feelings like it's a disease or something, you know, because everybody's really just trying not to hurt. We got to stop being, we need to be more brave and courageous. We got to stop being wusses as well, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Um, but the reality is that there are also a lot of people out there who are completely broken and who are predators. And so how do I teach love each other when the reality is there are predators out here too. And that's where the work comes in. The work of understanding red flags, the work of understanding the village that you came from and the dysfunction that was there. Cause we all came from dysfunctional villages and then learning, okay, well, girls marry their daddy. What was my daddy like? What were his pluses and his faults? And uh, how do I avoid his faults? You know, how do I do the work to understand um, what I am prone to, what my bends and my wounds are, what my traumas are, so what my triggers will be, so that I don't project them on this husband, this man that I'm going to marry, you know, but at the same time, I'm aware of them so that I can start navigating this in such a way that creates happiness and healthiness instead of pain and more dysfunction, which equals, you know, generational curses. You said something that was pretty interesting. Um, you said people are running from love. And as you, as you mentioned, um, running from love, a thought came to mind. It's like people are running from love, but trying to find love. It, Both, yes, equally. Equally. But with completely ineffectual methods. Mm. Talk a little bit about, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yes. So uh, what comes to mind right now, and it's funny, we're, we, we, I spoke about Steve Harvey a little bit, uh, but about uh, 10 years ago, nine years ago, I covered a movie called Think Like a Man based on his popular book. And I did the junkets for it. This is part of my other career when I work in Hollywood. So um, I was interviewing all the stars in the movie. And they had split this particular junket up in the, the boys versus the girls rooms. And in the boys room, I decided, you know, I decided to do it like battle of sexes and we come in and have, you know, a great time just talking about the differences between men and women and dating and this huge divide. And the first thing I asked was, is love really war? And there was some chuckling, et cetera. And then Michael Ely actually said, you know what, to be honest, yeah, it is. He's like, I'm going to be really honest with you. Before I know you, before I'm in love with you, it is war. I am trying to get over it. I am trying to, you know, I'm trying to find out as much as possible. And it's you against me. And I'm posturing for power and for control. And I'm trying to, you know, get my agendas in there and all of that until I know that you are safe and I fall in love with you. And I continued the interview, but my heart was broken by his answer. I'll be real honest. Like, you can't tell if you watch the interview, which I'll pull up later today. Um, it's on YouTube. But my heart was really broken. And the reason my heart was broken is because it's not that for me. And it's not that for a lot of women. We genuinely go in starting off. It's not a war. We are seeking love by being loving. We are listening to what scripture told us and what our mamas taught us and what our first grade teachers taught us and what our Sunday school teachers taught us. If you want a friend, you gotta be a friend. If you want love, you have to be loved. 
Now think about the purity of that posturing when you are going into a relationship to find love and to be loved, but not realizing on the other side of that is somebody who sees you as prey, as um, fodder, as chattel, as a meal, as whatever it is that they need until they fall in love with you. And how much damage is done as a result of that? You know, I think it's interesting how he answered that question. And I don't know, that movie came out a while ago. He's now married with kids. It would be interesting, but he did have a very long courtship with his wife. I'm, I'm referencing Michael Ely. I don't know him personally, but mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, as you know, as relationship experts, we just tend to like pay attention to those things. Um, exactly. But I bet if you asked him that question today, I think once you actually do find love and you experience love, I, I, I would bet his answer would be different. Um, and I and I'm would. and I bet that answer was coming from a place of like it, it's hurt when people you know what, what's that saying hurt people hurt people and it's really true mm-hmm. like people a lot of times are really uh, responding from experiences and, and I coach men and women and I'm sure you do too and I I agree that there are women being you know that are like okay I'm ready I want to have a good relationship and I just feel like I can't find a man but conversely I feel like there's a lot of good guys on the other side too who are like looking for the right woman and they're getting so many mixed signals too. So it's like the confusion is like both. <laughs> I think the confusion is on both parties. And I think where I struggle, you know, just personally as a relationship expert is I try to be balanced, but I'm a female. So I'm going to yeah. probably understand. It's just in me, right? I'm going to understand certain things about a female more than I will a male. But, it, but, but, but at the same time, I think what I, wish we could see more shared accountability. Like, I think we no, don't, I, we don't normalize that. Everything's very, yeah. not saying one-sided. you're, yeah, everything's very one-sided. So you have, I won't say that, cause I don't even want to give that coach my platform, honestly, but there's a coach out there I know of and you know of, and, and, and it's pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty much, you know, telling people certain things and women are feeling pressure. Like, okay, if I'm not married by this age, I'll never be married. I only have this yeah. ranking or value. And, and me, you know, me and Kay talk about these things. And I was like, Hey, you know, let's talk about ranking. Like we'll have conversations on these different topics. And one of the things I learned from, I learned from my husband so much and I appreciate him. And I'm so grateful to have him in my life. I won't get the emotional on that. Will teach you a lot. Yeah, he's yeah, he's taught me a lot. We, we we he's amazing. And one of the things he talked about when he talked about traits of people is that you got to think of a trait of, you know, a ranking of a person, not just like through a physicality, but there's an emotional piece. There's a mental piece. There's a spiritual piece, right? There's intimacy piece to it. Like so I think when we're looking at people who are responding the way that, you know, when you're doing that interview for Think Like a Man, is people don't have all those levels of maturity going in relationships. There's so many different levels of maturity, right? So people could look very good on paper. So that's that financial maturity. People could be uh, very spiritual, but they could lack mental and emotional maturity because of like where they came from, what they experienced, what they haven't taken time to heal from. So that's where I feel like is where we run into these pockets of relationships, which can start off very well because intentionally, I think people can go into it like, okay, I want to be in this relationship. But then as soon as they hit a hurdle, typically it's because there's some gaps there, right? And instead of exploring those gaps or leaning into the vulnerability, people pull back. They get territorial, positional, right? Um, a lot of things come up. Whatever that thing is they're fighting, it comes to the surface. And, and, but I think through love and what you said earlier and vulnerability, it's a constant learning. 
right? It's a constant resetting. It's a constant growing. Um, but I think we are, I agree with you culturally. I think in some cultures, it's much more like embedded um, to have a family structure to, to, to value the spiritual piece, to build those things together. I am really fortunate and Kay is fortunate. We come from homes where we had we saw parents who were married 40, 50, 60 years, aunts and uncles 40, 50, 60 years. So when you see that model for you over and over, you don't go into a relationship you know, or marriage saying, okay, I got to get out. You're going into it like, I really want to like stay in here, figure this out, learn this person. But the challenge sometimes is on the other end, you may not have that person who's able to receive that experience. So that's where Absolutely. it could end. So I just I was just wanting to put that out there because I I would be so curious to go back to him and be like, okay, dude, let's play this video over. <laughs> what do you think about love now? Because it's just I think life is funny that way that there's experiences you have that humble you and shift you in ways you never Absolutely. would have anticipated. You know, and I know Kate yeah, wanted. No, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think he probably does have a different perspective now. Um, yeah, but what would what you would also find though is that. Um, because I'm always like, it's great for the people who make it. It's great for the people who suffer the war wounds through the war, come out of the war, take a shower, and make it and settle down and have a piece of whatever. But I'm way more interested in those who don't. Right. And those who are left behind. The casualties of those people, much. too, is the what casualties. you're referencing. Yeah, for yes, sure. For sure. That's what I'm talking about. So it's like, and, and when we're talking about like, you know, what happens as a result of that or even the accountability on the other end of that is, is, okay, he, while he's single, meets a woman while he's in that state of mind, is dating regularly and is not dating one woman. So multiple people are encountering him in that state and being harmed by those ideals. And then, so he's dating one woman, she gets harmed by the ideals and then she goes off and now she's harming men because she entered in like, hey, I wanted love, and this guy hurt me because he was on this other stuff that I didn't know anything about, but okay. And maybe she meets like a couple other guys who do that, and then she's like, F this, I'm going to be like a guy. So now she's, you know, going to go off and hurt like 10 guys, and then those 10 guys are going to hurt another 10 women or 100 women at that point because it's for every person, it's like you're impacting another 10 people. So um, the reason why that's more interesting to me is because I'm, I'm really interested in solving problems. And so for me, it's about healing the wounds, healing the sickness, healing the mentalities, um, encouraging us to seek therapy, encouraging us, like I said, to work through our childhood traumas and the things that cause us to feel that way. You absolutely were right when you said it's usually pain. It's usually not like when you're on the other end of it, it feels like, oh, you are a predator and I was just, you know, I don't know, a deer or, you know what I mean? Like right. I was, I was game that was huntable for you. It feels that way. But when you get into the psychology of the man behind it, oftentimes you will find there is absolutely a pain that occurred. There's probably a woman on the other side of it, be it his mother, his babysitter, his grandmama, somebody who was in a caretaking capacity. Usually the initial wound starts there. And then some women came along the way who also, you know, added to it deeper. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. because of a lack of the healing of the wound, it shows up in dating. And now you're taking it out on adult women because you absolutely are in control now. Um, and until you heal the wound, 
that will be, that tends to be um, the case of the man. I'm clearly being simplistic here and I'm not talking about Michael Eaton. I'm talking about yeah I know I mean let's talk about this part like so you know if someone's bleeding profusely they say take some, a bandage and apply pressure create a tourniquet mm -hmm. right to apply pressure mm -hmm. what in the situation where people are constantly hurting other people that come to you and say someone's mm -hmm. in a relationship with them how do you like coach them through or what kind of advice do you give them oh to I am so <laughs> I love those guys. Those guys usually show up in their late 30s, early 40s mm -hmm. because they're finally maturing and they've mm -hmm. been through so many dead bodies and they finally have a conscience where they're like, I don't like this. I need to stop. And every woman I've loved has left me, you know, um, and I'm realizing it's my fault now. So I'm not, um, I don't know how to say this. I, I am very, very loving, but I, it's a hard love. Uh, what do I say to them? The absolute truth. The absolute truth. And um, to their credit, they take it. To their credit, they take it. It is every time a man takes it, I admire him and respect him more because all I'm going to tell you is the truth. And I'm going to tell it to you in a way that nobody has ever told you before because you are charming and handsome and you've been told that you are the prize and you've gotten away with that and you've had lots of women and you have broken most of them. And we are now at a place where in order for you to really not do that anymore, I can't let you charm me. So I am very hard on them. Um, and I tell them very, very difficult truths that people do not tell them. Usually other men will not tell them because other men see themselves in them. Mm. And they either admire the fact that they've been able to bed so many women secretly. So that is why they will not truly hold them accountable. Um, or they just don't think that it's that big of a deal. Like, you know, you know, having all these women and hurting all these hearts, that kind of, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. So uh, there's, there's a lack of accountability in terms of peer to peer, or there are a lot of men who just think it's not my job to tell another grown man what to do. And I'm like, but it is always our job as a human in any given situation, if we can offer something that will make something actually better, even if it will offend the person, but it is actually loving if we refuse to say that thing because we're afraid of offending the person, we're not loving them. And we're allowing them to continue to experience devastation in their own life, which, like I said, they come to me around 38, 42, and they go, all right, I don't like this. And I'm like, awesome, let's work. So what I do is tell them what no one else would tell them. This is not cute. There's no character in it. If you want to be a man, you have to be a man of your word. Integrity and honor and character are actually real things that you have been allowed to operate without and to rewrite what integrity, honor, and um, decency look like. You have dated in a manner that you would not want anyone to date your sister, your mother, your daughter. You need to think about not just yourself, but every woman that you have affected. And then all of the men who were connected to her and how that is affecting her as well. And so it's like, it, all we're doing is putting a mirror up and going, here's the reality of what you've done. Now, on one hand, I know that you were programmed in many, 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 many ways to do this. I also know, here's the damage that's been done. And so I can't, as cruel as it might sound, I can't get you to where you need to go unless I show you the actual damage. The damage is going to break your heart if you have one. It is, it's gonna break your heart. But the reason I do it is because I need you to stop lying about 
you know, she knew what it was and we were all adults and everybody's all good, except because if we don't deal with and address the initial sin, there's no repentance. And so honestly, you know, the state of the man will be worse than it was when I even found him. Um, so everyone's redeemable. We got to face our stuff if we're going to be redeemable. And the only way, you know, for us to truly change is to truly see the effects of our behaviors and our mindsets and the lies that we have told ourselves that have allowed us to mistreat people. So are these just men that you are counseling? Uh, I counsel men, single men. I counsel single women. I counsel couples. I counsel everybody. Okay, and let me ask you something. When you talk about damage and you talk about a person's past, whether male or female, do you find it more manageable based on your experiences? Do you find it that when a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, when they are now privy to what the history of that man, what, you know, what that man may have suffered or what that woman may have suffered, do you find it to be a little more manageable for the couples to work through it now that it has been revealed? Yeah, you can't, you can't, if all a woman knows is the hardness, but she doesn't understand the wound behind it, she's not motivated to keep going. By that time, if they come to me as a couple, because I was just specifically talking about single men who are done with it and they come, that tends to be, you know, um, their avatar. Uh, if they come in as a couple, um, yeah, a woman cannot continue and love the man every single day without finding out what is going on. Like, so it, 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 the answer to your question is yes. Um, there is a grace for finding out what the wound is. Now, here's the problem. Oftentimes, the man has in some way manipulated that wound. So there's two things here. A, there's a grace for it, an understanding of, wow, that wound is real. And this really did happen to you and it really did affect you in this way. And as a result of that, you created a survival system. This is where we have grace to survive your childhood in an environment where you had a mother who was doing this to you or a babysitter who was doing this to you or a grandmother who was doing this to you. And the reality is you matter. You are important. And the five-year-old or the seven-year-old or the 14-year-old was never taught that they mattered. And so that's the reason why they're grown up going, well, I matter now and everybody's going to have to listen to me. So yes, there is a grace for that. But I want to be very clear. The grace is not an excuse. There is still a requirement on the man to do his work. Now, look at, let's look at this in the opposite. When women come to me, it tends to be they are completely disrespecting their men and they are fine with doing it. They annihilate men. They are, there are women, I've had more women put their hands on men than men put their hands on women. Mm. Um, so women are not like adverse or not affected by this. There are just as many toxic women. There are narcissistic women. The damage that a woman can do to a man is insanely devastating if they are not whole, if they are wounded, if they are um, broken and they don't get there, they're healing as well. So you're absolutely right. Hurting people hurt people. Um, and uh, I haven't met a man who has been devastated and acting out now as an adult against women who wasn't broken by a woman somewhere in his life. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good so point. That's a, 
so that's ours. We got to own that. Mm. We got to stop saying, because I'm a mom, I can do whatever I want with my son. No, ma'am, you can't. You are raising somebody's future nightmare. Mm. And he's just broken. And you don't have a right to break him. You don't have a right to break him. No one has a right to break people. And, and the point is, whatever our actions are, we don't get away with anything. God is not mocked. Like, whatever so you reap, that and that only you're sowing. So if I, let's say, marry the wrong man, and I know he's the wrong man, and we have this child, and my husband doesn't like me, and my husband is abusive or neglectful or abandoning or whatever, and he leaves me for so-so, Coco Chanel, whatever, <laughs> and I am so angry with him that I refuse to do my work. And my beautiful baby boy looks exactly like his daddy. Mm. And so I start taking everything out on my beautiful baby boy because he looks exactly like his daddy. And I can't get access to the daddy. So I'm taking it all out on the son. I am creating a future nightmare. Mm. I don't have a right to do that. Each of us has a responsibility to do our work. Our wounds, if we do not heal them, will bleed on anybody who can take it. And it's not fair. And I'm saying that stuff doesn't go away. It grows up, it sprouts muscles, and then it bullies and terrorizes other people. So if we can see the impact that we are having on the world by not addressing whatever hurts us, harms us, etc., um, then maybe we would all run in and get some therapy and do some sessions and start forgiving and working through our traumas. You, you know, you mentioned something earlier about like American culture and how it's created some challenges in relationships yeah. and connection. Can you share like what you've observed from the people that you see in your practice and just, you know, what you see in relationships that you were speaking of? Yeah. And especially put yeah. it, and put in context, like for people, your family's background too, as well. Cause I think that will help um, because um, you have a kind of a different lens, you know, probably on things that people here may not be used to seeing, you know, uh, which is. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 again, going back to the vulnerability spectrum, I just, um, I had, like, so I was born and raised in America. Right. My whole family is from Zimbabwe. And when I was seven, uh, my mom sent my brothers and I back to Zimbabwe to live with our grandparents, aunts, uncles, go to school, learn the language, learn the culture, learn everything. And I remember coming back um, as a kid, and it was cultural shock. And so even though I'm saying something right now as a fully grown adult about what I've noticed about the lack of vulnerability in Americans, I noticed it on the playground. And it was the culture shock, the biggest impact of culture shock that I can remember emotionally, mentally, spiritually was um, the children annihilating each other and the introduction of sarcasm <laughs> and brutality and when someone would hurt themselves, when someone would hurt themselves um, on a soccer field in Zimbabwe, if we're all playing soccer and I fall down or someone kicks the ball and it hits me in my face or, you know, we're playing dodgeball and I get hit in my tummy, but it's a little too hard, you know, um, and I fall down in pain. All the kids in Africa are going to rush to me and be like, sorry, sorry, are you OK? Sorry, feel better. Like the empathy, immediate empathy and compassion immediately. If the exact same thing happens to me on a playground in America, I'm getting laughed at. 
I'm getting, like, it, it's brutal. It's terrifying. People are going to make fun of me. And the more I hurt, the more someone's going to make fun of me. So my vulnerability at being in pain is preyed upon, which means it has to go underground Deny. because I don't want to be preyed upon. Deny, you know what it reminds me of? Like when you're a kid in certain, you know, in certain you know, cultural communities, there's the dirty dozens, right? Where people are just mm-hmm. like saying the meanest things to you and it's a joke, yeah. but it's really like a lot of truth and humor, right? And yes. sometimes kids are exposed, like... You're finding out, you know, people are saying things that maybe they did not want everyone to know. And that's where I think that shield comes up that you're talking about from a young age of like, I got to protect myself. You know, I can't show my weakness. And and so that's a really good call out. And that's starting at very young ages, you know. Very young ages, mm-hmm. like by the third grade. Yes. Every kid was sarcastic. And so you're taking these innocent, loving little souls and you're teaching them treachery, you know? Um, and and they literally are. Like, I remember, you know, you'd see an old man walking with a cane and he falls down in the middle of the street and people are crying. I'm like, what is funny about that? That's not funny, you know? Um, and you just saw it everywhere. And so, yeah, to jump back to what happens in session is those grown-up hearts still have a fear of that. And... Um, it's just a fear of being open in a place where you are safe, where you can be completely naked. And it usually shows up like um, men are strong externally. So their bodies are strong. They've got all these muscles and everything. Women are strong internally. And so we can use our mouth to annihilate any man at any moment, particularly when we know where your spots are. And so um, men fear that and they don't want to open up period, just because they've already felt, you know, um, I'm vulnerable. And if I have these things, then I, this is my kryptonite. If you get it, then you can annihilate me. And he's right about that. Um, and so I teach women to be very, very careful with a man's heart. I teach women that men are way more gentle and soft and sensitive on the inside than we are, which is why I was just telling you on the outside, they're he-men on the inside. Not so much. That's and why they call it an ego. That's why they call it yes. an ego. But it really isn't. Here's what's interesting. Uh, Because my job is just to teach y'all to love each other. So in order to do that, I got to learn what feels like love. Ego is a very dangerous word. I love you said that word. That's such a perfect example. It's a dangerous word for a husband and a wife. If it is or when it is misused. Here's what I mean. Um, And this is so intricate. Um, Many times a woman, this is an accountability on our part, will um, call something that a man is saying, call, here's perfect, call a loving request from her man for her to do something for him, that's just as equal. We will put it in the ego category. And the reason we put it in the ego category is because if I can put that request into, oh honey, you don't really need that, that's just your ego, then I don't have to do it. And it's dangerous because we do it for stuff like making big bids for attention and for affection or needing praise or needing compassion or needing compliments or need, oh, compliments is so good. Think about this. We shame men for needing compliments. Happens on my, my platform all day long. 
I will tell women, okay, if you want to love your man, you want to love him really, really good, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then inevitably someone will come up under there like, if he needs all that, he ain't a man. Or I'm not fixing a baby, no man. Or it sounds like you want me to be his mom. Listen, first of all, a wise woman knows that you do need to baby your man and you are going to baby your man if you're going to have a happy man, first of all. Secondly, you need babying too in different areas than him, but you need babying too. You are each other's babies. Third, don't judge it. Don't shame it. Just do it. Why are we so adverse to just meeting each other's emotional needs? On my page right now, yesterday I said it to the women, today I said it to the men. I saw that. Yes. <laughs> you use scripture both times. We really don't know. You don't know that it is your job to meet the emotional needs but, of your person. But that's the you don't know. But that's that shared accountability piece. Like people are okay when that knowledge, because I saw it. I was like, oh, this is great. She said, okay, you gave the, the scripture that supported how men are to support women, right? Then you came yeah. back and said, but women, you are to emotionally support your men. And you gave a spiritual context again. But the, mm-hmm. but the women, they, they applauded the first one. But some women on the second one are like, I, why do I have to do this? And and that was interesting to me. I was watching that dialogue because... Always, it is a social experiment every time I do it. Every time. Oh, I because can see there it. were men yesterday who also said, I remember there was one guy who showed up and he said, uh, this is not necessary. And I said, awesome. When I post tomorrow, keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. So, so what you are saying is... I do not have to cherish my wife's feelings. Awesome. I will not teach your wife to respect and admire and appreciate you. Mm. That's where we are. Again, can y'all Negroes just love each other? Would it be okay if I just said, love her? And you went, yep, I'm on it. And I said, respect him. And he went, and you went, yep, I'm on it. That's all we need to do. Why are you fighting me? And, and, and just like you said earlier, and what Kay added to it, people want love, but then they're running from it. And this is That's exactly, good. this is what you're saying, this is what it takes to have that. And they're saying, this I don't want it, but they, but they do want it, right? But they resist Everybody it. Everybody wants it, but mm-hmm. they don't. Here's the problem. Too many people have been hurt, and people think that they are going to be taken advantage of if they do it. And they also, if they hear it, if they just hear it, wife, here's what you're supposed to do. They immediately go to, well, what's he going to do? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I just need you to say amen. You know what's so strange? I had the best advice from my grandfather. I never told my husband this until this moment. So he's going to get this piece of information tonight. But he said to me, if you love a man the right way, and if a man loves you, you don't have to worry about that man taking care of you. He said, I don't care what that man. He said, the most important component you need is how that man loves you. Because the other things he's like will fall in place. He says sometimes people go for more of the one piece of it, right? Like, okay, he's mm-hmm. this guy has material, you know, he has material way to take care of me. And I'm not saying there's not balance to it, but they're like, he mm-hmm. makes a lot of money. So he's going to take care of me. And then those are some of the like, as you know, because you coach these people too, right? Those are some of the most mm-hmm. shallow relationships where there isn't intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I mean real emotional connection yes connection. or they're, they're, that yeah. person does not feel love they feel more like they're an idol sometimes or that they are manipulated by things yeah. 
because it's appearance oriented, but behind closed doors, there's there's not a lot behind that surface sometimes. So I just remember his words like as a little girl, and him and my him and my grandmother were married over sixty years, and I just and I went you know and I went through my own relationship challenges too, but it was true like each time the guy was vested. You know, my husband is included. I, it wasn't a lot of guys I loved. I'm putting that out there, but like there was a few, but it was just such a difference. It, it never was about the things that you would think it would be about. It was just about the way, the way they felt about me and mutually, you know? And so when I went into relationships, I just, I tended to just not lean into it. Like, okay, what am I going to get out of this? Now, I definitely had moments where I nurtured too hard. So, you know, your mess becomes your ministry, right? You learn mm-hmm. a lot through your own uh, mistakes. But at the same time, when I learned the balance of it, right, the balance of receiving and giving, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a diff- it's a different type of relationship. It's so night and day um, mm-hmm. from a, a dysfunctional relationship. So I, you just have so much knowledge. It is hard <laughs> to keep you within this time frame because I know people are going to listen to this and be more. like, this woman has more. a lot to say. More, more, more. more. And I just like that you are speaking on both sides of it for men and women and just the, the things you've you know noticed. That and, then are happening. and then on top of that, there's a spiritual component that you add as well as a natural component that you add. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is the perfect balance because sometimes it could be lopsided. You know, it's, it's too much of the natural going on without that yeah. spiritual component and then vice versa. You know, there's too much of the spiritual component without that natural opponent. And as a man myself, um, I truly appreciate uh, the platform that you have as a woman who honestly keeps the balance, uh, holding both, you know, genders accountable, you know, males and females. Let's be real here. There are some males out there and I know who you guys were talking about that, that <laughs> you know, it appears to be just lopsided, you know, women, 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 yeah. women. No, 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 no. Where's the balance here? Because what happens yeah. is when one is being approved, the others cheer. But when it's your turn to actually, you know, uh, get ousted uh, or get corrected, then you're quiet. Yes. It's almost like the church. Yes. And I, I grew up in the church. And it, it's funny when you hear everyone, yes, amen, amen. And as soon as the pastor, as they used to say in the, in the come country, down come down your street, <laughs> it gets quiet. You know, and as a kid, I would watch that. And I noticed that. I'm like, hold on. Why did they get quiet? Sister Johnny over here, she was just jumping up. The hat has come off. You know, her, 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 you know, uh, her, her clothing have become a little disheveled. But now all of a sudden, you're quiet as a mouse. And as a, at that time, as a kid, I didn't quite understand it. But it didn't take me long in uh, repeated, uh, you know, observing of, of these, these types of actions to notice, oh, oh, the truth will sit you down. And it will force you to listen even if you yes. don't want to listen. So what you bring to the table, honestly, it forces people to listen. And that's an amazing gift and an amazing trait um, that you have. Yes, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Yep. I, and that means the world to me. Um, uh, don't take this the wrong way, Elizabeth, but that take, it means the world to me coming from a man because men do show up and go, this is one-sided. And I, <laughs> I had some guy, I, you know what I mean? It's okay. You know, uh, men do, excuse me, women do the same thing. Um, but I had a guy do it the most recent time. Um, someone did this last week. And he was like, you know, is this a black marriage movement or is this just for women? Because I've noticed that you are being very blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, sir. Um, um, and I, I went back 
and I just looked at my last 30 posts because I take that seriously. Mm. And I looked at my last 30 posts and I said, sir, I just went back 30 posts. It's pretty doggone balanced. And there are some really great posts in here about men, mm. about amazing fathers, about amazing husbands, um, teaching women to respect and admire their men and breaking down how exactly to do that. So um, can you please tell me what it is that you think that I'm doing that's unbalanced? And he literally, to his credit, said, okay, you know what? I, I think, I, think I, I was a little bit sensitive because I'm just working off of this post. And I also am looking at some of these comments. And the reality is you don't control the comments. You don't control what women are saying. And so he's like, I'm, I'm changing my original statement. You are balanced. You are presenting a balanced approach. But I'm hearing so many women who are pushing up against the idea that I was crediting you with that. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Because you're right. I can't do that. What I can do is continue to present the right information, the balanced information. What I do is I do it one sex at a time. So a lot of people show up on their day when I'm reading their mail and they go, uh, she's a pick me. She don't even like women. She, she wants women to be doormats. She just tells them to submit. She just she just wants to impress these men and she doesn't care anything about. And then same thing next day when I'm telling him to cherish you and adore you mm. um, and to treat you well and to be good to you, et cetera, then they're cheering in the aisles. Mm. So um, I don't let that stuff get to me. Um, but I, I wanted to reiterate just saying I appreciate hearing from a man and a godly man as well as an educated man. So you've got the balance as well, you know, that my efforts to keep that thing balanced um, are seen and appreciated. So yes, ma'am. And you can thank my moms for that. <laughs> okay. You can thank All my right, mom. So. Thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> thank you over here for you. <laughs> Denai, tell people um, where they can find you if they are interested in your services, um, where, you know, how they can learn more about you, all of that information. Absolutely. So, uh, Denai Murari, I am on Instagram as the Black Marriage Movement. Um, I am on um, YouTube as well as the Black Marriage Movement. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but I live on Instagram, so you can DM me over there. I do have blackmarriagemdmt at gmail.com um, if you prefer to email me, but I prefer my DMs. It goes down in the DMs. I do everything in the DMs. Um, and I sell all kinds of relationship products and classes, master classes, ebooks to help you to get your relationships together. I also coach couples, singles, um, and uh, uh, men and women individually. So anybody, if you're seeking a coach and you want to work with me, um, you can DM me over on Instagram at Black Marriage Movement, and I would love to work with you. Beyond that, just you know, come along, follow the page, get the free resources, watch the live streams, and tell me how you think. Yeah, there's tons of great content out there that you can just absorb. And, you know, Denai does an amazing job of, like she said, balancing it out and giving perspectives on the male side, the female side, couples, uh, relationships in general. And you can tell that you're you're giving, like, how do I say this, valuable mm. <laughs> knowledge yes. um, that's real practical and useful. So nuggets of knowledge, nuggets of knowledge, morsels Thanks. of knowledge. Yeah. That all Morsels and nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, you bet. And, you know, people, like she said, check her out on Instagram at the Black Marriage Movement. We are going to end the show on that note. We gave you a lot tonight, so it's a lot to absorb. I'm sure people will be listening to this one more than once. Hmm. Um, and we're going to leave it there. If you guys want to subscribe to future podcasts, just remember you can find us on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. Until next time, XOXO, everyone. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting low in a money with a lowered rear. Windows up, glow the square.